Super Talk Mississippi media production. This is Jack Hoffman. For nearly 31 years, Tico Steakhouse has been a staple for fine dining in Jackson, Mississippi. I would like to invite you to come experience our family tradition of our hospitality, sizzling steaks, and healthy poured beverages. East County Lime Road in Ridgeland, 601-956-1030. I'm Steve Azar, and I'm on the other side of the microphone, meaning I'm asking the questions this time, and oh, have mercy for the airwaves. I spent 20 years in Music City, wrote and made some hits, traveled the world, and then moved my family back to the birthplace of American music and where the magnolia trees prosper. And now every time I put my feet on Mississippi soil, when I'm off the road, well, I'm at peace. On this show, it's all about hearing the stories straight from the mouths of the friends I've made along the way, their journey to success. Heck, there might be someone on, I don't even know, but you know how us Mississippi types are. We tend to take well to new company. In a Mississippi minute, all 60 of them. I'm Steve Azar. It's just like that muddy river moving slow. Ain't no worries. It's how life goes, baby. In a Mississippi minute. That's right. Today on In a Mississippi Minute is no stranger to what exactly it means to be on Mississippi time as he is one of us. With a crazy successful career in the entertainment business, whether in Los Angeles or Nashville, which spanned almost four decades, he was someone a guy like me was grateful to know and have on their side. Always respected this this man. As a manager, he represented such artists as Alan Jackson, Brian White, Dorothy Moore, B.J. Thomas, etc., etc., and worked with Hall of Famer very close to Glenn Campbell for over 20 years, where he served as president of Glenn Campbell Music. He's the current director of the Mississippi Arts and Entertainment Experience, the Max and Meridian, where I will be recording soon, I think on the 13th, and performing. Please welcome Marty Gamblin. What's up, Marty? It's so good to hear your voice. I always I miss running into you because you always had such a smile on your face and and always bragging about Mississippi. Excited about about catching up and I want to talk about you growing up first and I love hearing this backstory behind what made the man, the family that you grew up with, your folks and how, you know, what led you to such a a prominent, a prominent and promising, beautiful, wonderful career with so many great artists that we all admire and their household names, and you played a big part in their careers. I love that. I love where it came from. So take me back to growing up. Well, Steve, you know, I was one of those guys that um, um, I, I joined the band. Uh, I loved athletics, but I joined the band, and my mother and dad, I'm, I'm an only child, which everybody says I'm spoiled, <laughs> and um <laughs> So anyway, after about a week of band, and we had a band director who was fabulous, but he was like a drill sergeant, and I said, I'm not going to do this. I'm quitting the band. Well, my mother and dad were, no, you start it, you're going to finish it. Right. So I stayed in band all the way through school saying, this music is never going to do me a bit of good. (laughs) So it just goes to show you, you know, trust your mother and dad. Because you never know where the good Lord's going to lead you. So, uh, right. what little music I know about, I learned through Victor W. Zajac at Philadelphia High School, and uh, so I, you know, I started promoting uh, shows when I was in high school, and uh, I got exposed to music in '55 at the Jimmy Rogers Festival. My dad always listened to the opera, and uh, 
So I was excited to go down and see Ernest Tubb and Hank Snow and, you know, all these people live. And uh, and it just kind of, like I said, I started booking. Uh, it was an uh, R&B band here called Foots Baxter and the Rhythm Rockers. <laughs> and I started booking them in, uh, in the surrounding areas. And um, so that's that's kind of how it started. And uh, then I I saw Jim Weatherly in the Vegas playing on the coast, and of course Tim Whitson and the Imperials, and I thought, man, I'm going to really bump my booking up and go for the big the big acts. <laughs> they were like four hundred dollars a piece, and uh, so <laughs> and I didn't. I thought, what am I going to do if I lose money? Because I ain't got four hundred dollars to pay them. Oh <laughs> wow, I love it. You know, I, I interviewed Jim. I don't know if I'd ever met him, and I and I got to meet him o- over the phone lines when I when I was doing Mississippi Minute, and I just fell in love with him. It just what an incredible story, incredible athlete. You know, it, it oh. blows my mind to see how great he was at everything he did. And I go, there's no way, there's not possible that you can be that <laughs> dominant on the football field, be an all American. I mean, like you know, he's not like you're all all district, right? You know, <laughs> you know, and then and then be that great as a a songwriter and just my time. And I know he has a book out now that I, I can't wait to read. And I, I didn't, so I didn't know that you and Jim were together, and it all makes sense to me now. So what was that like? getting to know him and sort of take me through sort of how the the progress was made with your relationship and and the success as you guys went along uh, he's just competitive in, in anything i i used to go to his uh, you know stop by his house and um uh, he and shan his brother uh, play ping pong and then you would think it was uh you know jimmy connors and uh <laughs> Uh, some of those guys playing. I mean, the and I think a lot of that because Jim, you know, he hit brick walls everywhere he went when he started trying to get in the music business, and um, uh, he went to Nashville, and you know, he was so discouraged. He went to Los Angeles, and uh, and it was just that persistence that I think that made him a great athlete, that that made him a great songwriter, and. Uh, his bass player was a guy named Leland Russell, and, and Leland's dad was booking acts, and he owned BJ's, which was a club that he owned with BJ Thomas in Jackson for a while, and um, so we, you know, we started working with BJ, and uh, and he was booking the Poppies, which were like the Supremes, but it was mm-hmm. Dorothy Moore was the lead singer, and they were being produced by Billy Sherrill of all people in Nashville, and. Uh, so I became their road manager, and, uh, you know, we made like a dozen trips in one summer from uh, Jackson to New York, because those days you couldn't get flights. You had to drive. So we would load up in the car, and here we'd go. So uh, <laughs> that just kind of, you know, kind of snowballed into um, to me eventually getting uh, going to Nashville and opening Jim's uh, publishing company there, uh, in the house that Tammy Wynette and, and George Ritchie owns. So, uh, <laughs> We're talking to Marty Gamble. Marty, what did your folks do? My dad had the John Deere equipment dealership here in Philadelphia with my granddad, and my mother was a social worker for the welfare department. Wow. So, and, and my dad kept thinking, uh, you know, he was going to keep the store going because he knew I wanted to follow in his footsteps. Right. <laughs> well, I had watched how hard it was to, I mean, you know, he would worry himself to death because he said, 
a tractor back in the back of my shop's not doing those farmers a bit of good. Right. And my mother was from Sunflower, so I knew the you know I knew the big time farming as well as the lo- little local farming, and uh, so I just I knew I didn't want to do anything like that because right. it was too blasted hard and. Uh, so, but little did I realize, <laughs> I was getting into a whole different ball game. It was um, just as difficult, if not more so. That's a whole nother level of hard. <laughs> we, 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 you and I did. Okay, so take me and you guys are going to New York. You're going to L.A. How do you end up in L.A.? Jim, when I went to work with him, uh, his uh, manager and publisher was a guy named Larry Gordon, who was out in Los Angeles, and Larry. And Danny Thomas owned a company called Rip Kika Music. And, uh, of course, uh, Danny uh, of St. Jude fame, and, and Larry was his son-in-law. I tried to open the office there in Nashville. I was there for about a year or so, and Larry got sick. Um, and uh, he called me, and he said, you got to shut the office down there and move to Los Angeles and run the office here in Beverly Hills. Hmm. And I thought, my gosh, I used to love the Clampets. And I yeah. thought, here I am, going to be a Clampet. <laughs> and uh, from Neshoba County, passing through Nashville, then to, to L.A., I thought, talk about a fish out of water. But, I love uh, it. I love it. So that's how I got out there. And, uh, you know, I, I went from doing country to doing pop, rock, R&B, Everything and and I always love just songs. You know, it didn't matter mm-hmm. what genre they are. If they were just great songs, I loved them. And uh, so, fortunately, by you know working around people like Jim Weatherly, and then I went from Jim's company. Um, they sold to Ktel Records, which back at that time was buying up a lot of catalogs. And so I went straight from Jim's company. Uh, a week or so later, to run in Glenn's company, um, uh, Glenn Campbell's company. Um, the very best writer we had at, at that time was Carl Jackson, and uh, I told Glenn, I said, you know, uh, we got a lot of great writers, but I said it's so hard in this pop world. And I said the best guy we got for the country market is Carl Jackson, and I said. But he writes everything that the only person could cut it would be Vince Gill, and he don't sell records. And, uh, of course, that was back prior to Vince becoming an icon. Right. And uh, so, uh, you know, I talked Glenn into the – I said, let's open an office in Nashville. So he said, well, if you think – and Stan Snyder, who is Glenn's manager and business manager from day one, uh, Stan was uh, with Glenn in Europe, and he – Call and said, hey, Glenn said, if you want to do it, go for it. Wow. So uh, that's what I did. And, um, you know, uh, I had a blast working for Glenn, too. I mean, that uh, you talk about a, a a talent and a class act. Uh, I just absolutely can't say enough about him. Well, I love the fact of how long you guys stayed together. That shows commitment and uh, trust and a real relationship that was – that was built and nurtured we're with marty gamlin i'm having the best time mississippi made took on the world of music you're in a mississippi minute we'll be right back
in a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. We're with Marty Gamlin. He's the current director of the Mississippi Arts and Entertainment Experience, the Max in Meridian, and worked with Hall of Famer Glenn Campbell for over 20 years. Marty, so how you and how do you and Glenn meet? Well, uh, uh, Jim's business manager was uh, Stan Snyder. Stan uh, Stan had a company called Gersey Snyder and Company, and uh, you know they represent uh, Rain, Wayne Gretzky, uh, Johnny Mathis. I mean, just. Smokey Robinson, Chaka Khan, and, and he'd been Glenn's business manager and manager from day one almost. So uh, uh, when I, you know, I when when Larry so and uh, uh, Danny sold the company to KTEL, they said you'll be on our payroll the rest of your life. Don't worry about it. Hmm. Well, after about a week of doing nothing, uh, you know, and coming raised up, not taking money unless you earned it uh, right. i went to stan i said stan i can't keep doing this i gotta do something i'm you know i'm going nuts and he said well would you be interested in reopening glenn's company i said well i'd need to hear the songs and uh so i listened to songs all day one day and we opened the company the next day and <laughs> um uh, and the first time I saw Glenn that I was doing it, we were doing the Glenn Campbell Music Show out at NBC in Burbank, and uh, I walked in, saw Glenn, and of course I'd met him and known him, and uh, he said, man, good to see you. He said, what are you doing now? I said, well, I've been running your company for about three months. He said, well, that's great. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's just the way he was. He just he, he put his faith in Stan and uh, just the nicest human being uh, oh, that you could it. be around. You know, he always stayed with us when he would come to Nashville to record. He and Kim, and the, you know, we watched the kids grow up because wow. he just loved to be around. I came home one day and. He was out with a push mower cutting my yard, and I mean it's just. And here he is, a superstar. But uh, you know, Glenn told me that even after he had the first album out, he went to Europe, and he said uh, that he still played on 586, I believe it was, sessions as a member of the Wrecking Crew. Because he said, I didn't think this thing was going to last. He said, I never liked my singing. And he said, "All I ever wanted to be was Django Reinhardt." Yeah, and, uh, I wanted to play. But oh, you know, he just—he would go to bed at night at the house, and he'd go up there and listen to Django Reinhardt tapes and play guitar with him. <laughs> and uh, but you know, he, when you think about, it, he played on "You've Lost That Loving Feeling," "Strangers in the Night," but Sinatra and uh, "I Get Around." I'm a believer. Uh, uh, gosh, uh, California Dreaming, Bridge Over Troubled Waters. I mean, Viva Las Vegas is just amazing, the songs the guy played on. Wow. We're talking to Marty Gamblin. And, Marty, you know, you, I love how you so nonchalantly make it seem that your career, oh, the next day we were doing this, the next minute we were doing this, and it just worked out. You make it sound like making a, a cup of coffee in a Keurig. But it's not. I'm telling you right now. You, you. I know that you had to watch the coffee brew, and you know, <laughs> for a little bit. I mean, you make it sound like everything just fell in place. But I know for sure that first of all, you're. You remind me so much of my dad. You're very humble. You've always been that way. You, you wore that as a reputation in Nashville. People would just everybody loved you, and um, I, I just think that. 
a guy like Glenn Campbell, uh, uh, you know, B.J. Thomas, you think Alan Jackson, you know, because I, I know Alan a little right. bit and all that. Right. Just the, There's humility. And so I know that they saw in you what they wanted to be, uh, a guy they wanted to be around. And like you said, family and all this. And I love that because I did feel that way once I, I ran into the group that I needed, to, the Mark Allen Springers and the Rick Sanchez and the and right. the Rafe Van Hoys and the, the oh, ones that geez. took me in and, and Roger Murrah and all that and just really helped mentor me and trying to figure me out. Uh, and and they, they, I think because of where we grew up and our upbringing and how we were raised, I think they saw that. I think it just played an enormous role in any what little success I had and what great success you had. I just think that if if we don't have that, you know, that instilled in us, and we got no shot. So we got to credit our parents, like you said, and the grace of God. And and uh, I'm sure God's got a few things to tell me once I get up there. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be I've questioned a lot of things, and he's I'm sure he's gonna lay it down. Probably gonna have like okay, you, a, oh, a wait sign waiting on Joe. Yo, I'm wait, you're waiting on God to get in here because we got to talk first. <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna say uh, I'm with you, Stu. I'm a, I'm trying to think now of answers because I'm getting on up there in years, you know. So I'm trying to think of the the answers to some of the questions I'm gonna get asked by oh, him. So. My goodness. Yeah, I'm gonna have like a, a wait. There's gonna be a waiting room. I can promise you that. And I may be waiting by myself. It's gonna be like waiting on the doctor that you can't get in to see. <laughs> We're talking to Marty Gambler. Okay, Marty, you spent all of this time. Take me to when you meet. Uh, B.J. Thomas. I was actually driving to Nashville, and I went through Memphis, and they uh, had one of these Where the Action Is tours, uh, Dick Clark's things, and uh, so I thought, well, I'm going to stop and catch this. Well, it was B.J. Thomas and the Triumph, one of their last shows, and I got on the phone, and I called everybody I knew, and I said, man, I just saw a guy that is just absolutely unbelievable. And uh, so B.J., uh, you know, like I say, he disbanded the group, and uh, we got a call right after that from somebody wanting to book an act in Mobile. And I told uh, the guy that I was working for, Mr. Russell, and I said, uh, we need to get this B.J. Thomas. So we booked B.J. for three dates. Uh, One was here in Philadelphia, and I think uh, one was on the coast. Mormons and Jackson, and uh, hmm. he and I just hit it off, and uh, I loved his talent. I loved him as a person, and still do. And uh, and, and you know the guy is just phenomenal, and oh, so no, uh, I love him. So. You know, we used to do the well before they they just stopped after Barbara Sinatra passed, but I was asked to go in with Wayne Newton and do uh, so. I did a Friday night show at the Sinatra, and I just did it, un, you know, unplugged. And, right. learned, you know, learned a couple of Sinatra things, but did my stuff. And the next day it was Wayne. But the next year we got invited back and and it was uh, Burt Bacharach. And, oh, and and so we were all sitting in the crowd, you know, in this big gala room. And Burt had singers on stage, but he went into I loved, you know, I didn't want to hear the singers sing anything. I wanted to hear him. And he was like, raindrops <laughs> keep falling on my head. Oh, I know. And I was like that? laying down. I mean, I was I mean, it's the greatest concert I've ever been to. So, what was the process in hearing that song? Uh, were were you involved in 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 raindrops? When you did you hear you it? Know, I'm going to show my brilliance here. Mm-hmm. I had uh, had just quit working with BJ, 
And I was driving to the coast, and it came on the radio. And I called B, and I said, man, I just heard a song of yours. I said, uh, it sounds like you got the hiccups. Turn it red, the cry is not for me, because I'm never going to stop the rain by complaining, because I'm free. I said, what in the world is that? <laughs> he said, that's a new single for a movie that's coming out. And I said, well, you know, that one's a bomb. <laughs> so, you know, and all this brilliance. That's all right. I, like I hit the nail on the head because it was one of the biggest records ever. So, uh, hey, what do, you attribute, what do you attribute that to? Because so, it's not easy to, if, if you could figure it all out, right? You can't. Right. You can't be right. Your batting average is is whatever. But looking back after that, and after you got to hear the song multiple times, and did you get over the fact that that he sounded like he had, had the hiccups? Because you knew him as a singer, right? So. Oh Lord, yeah, yeah. I, uh, you know, I, I I think it was just the fact that it was so different than anything I'd ever heard him do. Uh, well, that's why I always said I said if any when when people come to me and want an opinion. I tell them, I said, now look, I'll give you my honest opinion, but there are no experts in this business. If there was, we would never have records that fail. We'd never have, you know, careers that didn't pan out. Uh, of course, a lot of it is timing, as you well know, right yeah. place, right time, uh, power behind you from the labels and the radio and all those things that you have no, uh, you have limited control over, but... Uh, we, we've all been wrong a lot, and uh, so that's why I don't discourage anybody that's got a passion to try. No. Try, but always have a backup plan if somebody tells you you're not good. I love it. Well, that's <laughs> the way it should be. Yours, the chances are that you uh, <laughs> it may never work out. We're talking to Marty Gamblin, and I'm uh, going to put you on the hot seat. I, I've been okay. excited about it. We're, you know, we're the birthplace of American music, and you know it better than all of us. You get to play DJ, and I, I get to choose my Mississippi artists, and I could choose so many that you worked with, but I think this is going to be complicated for you to decide which one you want to hear. Do you want to hear Jimmy Rogers or Marty Stewart? Oh, my God. Yeah, you got to choose. <laughs> <laughs> well, i tell you what I'm going to do. Since uh, Marty is a cousin, I'm going to go with Jimmy because Marty wouldn't be there if it wasn't for Jimmy. <laughs> I love it. you got a good answer for everything. We're with Marty Gamlin. I'm Steve Azar. We're in a Mississippi Minute. It's Jimmy Rogers now. I had a friend named Campbell. He used to rob, steal, and gamble. He tried everything that was low down. He was out tomcatting one night when he started a big fight. Then a big policeman came and knocked him down. He's in the jailhouse now. He's in the jailhouse now. I told him over again to quit drinking whiskey, lay off of that gin. He's in the jailhouse now. If Alexa's part of your life, you've got one more way to access Super Talk. Super Talk Mississippi is now available on Amazon Alexa devices. Once enabled, just say Alexa Play Super Talk Mississippi at any time and start listening. It's that easy. Just one more way to stay informed and connected with your state. 
Learn more at supertalk.fm slash Alexa. Super Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi. Now available on Amazon Alexa devices. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Okay, so we're talking to Marty Gamlin. I'm Steve Azar. You're in a Mississippi Minute. I'm having a blast. Marty, so real quick, because I want to talk about the Max, and I want to give it its fair due and what you're doing now. Uh, okay. I love the fact that you came home. Uh, I know that feeling and, and, and why I think you did it like I did. Uh, it's a calling, and it's awesome, and I feel so blessed. But let me ask you, before we go into Maxland, tell me, when do you go from music book, booker to publisher to full-blown manager? When does all that happen? Uh, well, I actually started uh, with uh, uh, back in uh, the '60s, and I started doing '68 through '71. I guess I was in Jackson, and then uh, then I went to uh, to Nashville and to LA in the '70s, late '70s, and through '82 uh, or three, and then uh, I started working with Glenn in uh, I guess '82. I was because I was in LA for. A good year with Glenn before I uh, uh, moved and opened an office in Nashville, and uh, so I was there for twenty uh, something years, and uh, wow. and and that's where you know we got into managing uh, uh, Alan and 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 Brian White and uh, love Brian. Uh, so uh, it, it's uh, you know it was uh, and I always loved uh, Glenn. Always had a you know when we talk about talent he you know he had a saying that he you probably heard but he's i'd say something about somebody being talented he said now you sure they really talented and i said well yeah he said well you know the the difference in talent and real talent is like the difference between uh lightning bug and lightning <laughs> and so uh i always thought well now that's a pretty cool way of looking at things because you know you everybody tells you you got to hear so and so because they're talented right but um but right. sometimes those people you know they they're they're club acts that people have uh have him uh you know have, have t- uh, partaken too much of alcohol and <laughs> Right. And anything would sound good, but uh, but anyway, yeah, I made that transition and uh, and, and and did it up until uh, the 2004, I guess. That's just unbelievable. All the uh, you know, I you know, on sort of the wiki, wiki and all the stuff in the bio, you talk about the Linda Ronstadt's, the Aretha Franklin's, the Ray Charles's, the Gladys Knights, the Fleetwood Mac, the Bonnie Raitt's, the Reba McIntyre's, Willie Garth, Chesney, Gill, Urban, Skaggs. It never ends. All the all the people that your songs and 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 that heart of yours impacted because you had to know what to pitch, what to, what to you know put in front of them and and piece all that together. And it's just so awesome your career and how many lives it's impacted. And you know you got to think about not only impacting the artists themselves and their families, but the world that gets to enjoy and feel the music. I mean, you, Marty, you've been such a big part of that, and you got to look at yourself every once in a while. And go, that's been pretty cool. It's been pretty cool. Well, it it has been cool, and uh, you know, it's uh, 
Uh, and Steve, I have to say, uh, you know how it is. Somebody asked me one time, said, "What's the best publishing company?" I said, "The one with the best songwriters." <laughs> well, when you got, you know, Jim Weatherly, Jerry Fuller, uh, Jimmy Webb, Clyde Otis, and uh, and you know that caliber of songwriters, uh, that gives you a big up on the competition because right. uh, you you've got. Uh, you, you you got great songs and 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 you got great people that their songs are respected and uh, I mean you know like Sonny Throckmorton and well Ray Van Horn and, and Roger Murr those guys that you mentioned are you know those are are, are just marquee songwriters right and, uh, and and you know when you can take it because I don't care who it is when you go take it to an artist or a producer and you say that so-and-so wrote this, they hear it in a different light if it's somebody that they respect. Then I mean, you know, it's, beauty's in the eye of the beholder. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if if it's a new artist, I mean, a new writer that they don't know, it's a lot harder. I mean, we went through that with Alan and Brian and, you know, uh, getting them to become recognized. And then all of a sudden, they were the magic ones that people want to hear their songs. So right. uh, I love it. But it, love it is pretty cool when you think back. That I was blessed uh, to be able to be in a position to work with people. Well, of blessings that go both ways, and I figured you. I figured that you would avoid patting yourself on the back. I, I figured you would. <laughs> hey, <laughs> hey, hey, Marty. Okay, let's go. We got to talk, Max. I can't wait. Sure. I'm going to get to record. A uh, song I wrote, Governor Bryan asked me a while back when I walked in his office and with the bicentennial, he goes, I need you to write me a song that every elementary school and high school band can sing and play. I want it to be that simple. And I said, he was talking and he was so inspiring. I walked out. By the time I got to the car, I had it. <laughs> now, I knew, the, I knew it was going to be as long as American Pie because Mississippi has five sections of it that sort of have their own space right but we're we're you know we're put together and brought together by you know one common thread which makes us mississippi but this is your year anniversary i'm so excited how does the max all come about oh gosh you know it started back um as a dream uh of um the uh, agricultural commissioner back uh years ago and um and Paul Ott kind of was involved with that, and they were just simply thinking in terms of doing a uh, something there in Jackson, you know, in the fairgrounds with maybe a Charlie Pride guitar and something like that. And uh, <laughs> and as it grew, and I got put on the board in 2003, and, and there were other board members all across. In fact, uh, uh, throughout the state of Mississippi, they were on there, and and the board just started saying, "Hey, well, you know, uh, uh, that's a great uh, what we've got in country music is a great, uh, uh, you know, a testament to what the state has to offer." But but blues is is so uh, well known throughout the world, and and of course the Delta is the birthplace of the blues, and then. Uh, then you get into your writers like uh, John Grisham, William Faulkner, Tennessee Williams. Mm-hmm. Then you've got your great artists like uh, George Orr and you know Walter Anderson, and uh, and then your actors like Morgan Freeman and and Diane Ladd and Celia Ward, and and I mean it's uh, and people that are associated with the movies. Uh, I mean it's just 
uh, as I heard somebody say the other day, it's an embarrassment of riches what we have here. <laughs> right. And uh, so we said we've got to tell more than just a music story. And uh, so the, that's kind of what it is. It's honoring those iconic individuals, but at the same time, it's inspiring those others that could become, if nothing more than for their own peace of mind and enjoyment. But you never know, you know, when uh, when that person's going to become uh, another star. So um, uh, that's kind of where it was birthed from. We're with Marty Gamlin. I'm having the best time. Mississippi made, took on the world of music. You're in a Mississippi Minute. We'll be right back. And don't rock the juice bar. Wanna hear George Jones? My heart ain't ready for the Rolling Stone. I don't feel like rocking since my baby's gone. So don't rock the jukebox. Play me a country song. You don't rock the jukebox. Play me a country song. Hey team, are you or do you know an aspiring songwriter or artist that needs coaching and direction on how to navigate the music business? Do you have a corporate event, festival, or fundraiser that needs entertainment or event consulting? Let All Access Azar bring your vision to life and help you avoid the mistakes that can steer success off course. With access to my A to Z wealth of knowledge, expertise, and contacts, in the entertainment business, my team and I are ready to help you help assess what your goals are and identify the steps to get there. I'll bring many years of expertise and network resources to help facilitate the success of your brand. To learn more about the wide range of services we offer, visit our website, aaazar.com. That's aaazar.com. Fill out the form that fits your needs, and we'll get back to you. Thanks a lot. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. I am a lineman for the county, and I drive the main road, searching in the sun for another Singing in the wire. I can hear you through the wire. We're with Marty Gamlin. He's the current director of the Mississippi Arts and Entertainment Experience, the Max in Meridian. And so what's the experience like? Take me through it for uh, for people that haven't been to Meridian, Mississippi and the Max and this whole entertainment uh, uh, celebration of us. So tell me what it's like. Well, it's, you know, you, uh, well, I'll just take you, if you come in, you, you come into the Hall of Fame Rotunda, which is a two-story, just phenomenal thing, and uh, uh, where we've honored, and, uh, you know, we've got the backstories of uh, of the Hall of Fame inductees, not just their picture, uh, but then we've got, um, you know, we also show about what inspired them and, and, and people that, 
or maybe not Hall of Famers, but will be someday. And then, mm. uh, but then you go up, and uh, of course, right now, a major thing that that I would encourage all the people to see, and I'm looking forward because you'll be there. Uh, this is one from your backyard, uh, the Jim Henson exhibit is oh, there, and uh, it is absolutely phenomenal, Steve. And yeah. uh, it will be there uh, through May. So. Um, you know, when we got into this project, uh, Gallagher and Company, which, um, again, uh, they've been all over your part of the country. They they did the uh, Grammy Museum. They did the B.B. The King Museum. And uh, they've done museums all over the world. They came and, and they wanted to do the galleries where, you, you know, we have the land, uh, things that really are common denominators for Mississippians and hmm. and for us to share uh, our Mississippi heritage with the rest of the world. Uh, they, they've got the exhibits divided into to land, community, the home, like with the front porch, how we used to sit on the porch or the back porch. The church, which is certainly the uh, a strong root of all of us, people in places and, and the global theaters, how Mississippians have touched the world, and uh, so it's really, uh, it's really a journey that it's you, you've almost got to experience it. That's why we went from museum to experience because it's right. just hard. To, it's hard to define to anybody. I love that. Okay, so and you've got a recording studio. Absolutely. The governor was adamant. <laughs> I love it. And uh, it is properly called the governor's recording studio. Oh. And so we've, uh, you know, we've got the latest uh, uh, equipment in there. And, uh, you know, that's one of the uh, the major things that uh, the Max is doing is, is focusing on educating. Uh, awesome. You know, not just our kids, but adults, too. I mean, we've got studios there where you can learn pottery and and uh, other crafts and, and got some incredible people on staff as well as we bring in artists and uh, so uh, yeah we we really want the kids to uh, I mean uh, you know we 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 really focused on uh, a lot of what our mission is is to reach those kids and wow, because, I love that you know it's corny but they are our future and uh, right. and you just again you just never know where the talents lies and uh well that you know, that so. matters to me greatly too i i enjoy myself so much I, I i get to go to the dmi as i serve as artist in residence since i've gotten back with our girl trisha walker talking to marty gamlin i'm steve azar you're in a mississippi minute i'm having a blast <laughs> i've got to tell you steve um you know i'll never forget when i was walking in a titans football game and i saw this huge crowd i said why aren't people going in the stadium and I go over there, and there you are, just captivating the the not just the Titan fans, but I forget who we were playing. But it uh, people that haven't seen you live uh, have missed it. I oh, mean, you know, you didn't tour with Bob Seger because you were learning. He had and nobody else that were. would go with him that long. <laughs> no, come off of that. He, I know exactly how those people 
Uh, how they selective they are, and uh, uh, I appreciate that. So, uh, and you've got a long rep. I mean, a reputation that uh, you pat me on the back, but pat yourself. I on can't the back. do it. I can't do it. I'm going to stab <laughs> myself in the back with a butter knife. Hey, uh, you know the the funny thing is about that. I was sponsored by Exxon Mobil for a number of years, and we would go play stadiums. Usually, it was Houston or somewhere like that. But they said, "Let's play the Tennessee Titans." I said, "No, don't. Let's don't do that. I don't want to do it at home." You know. So anyway, right. it ended up being fine. I, I appreciate that. Now, Marty, you've mattered so much to our business and our state and the world of music, and I appreciate you spending an entire Mississippi Minute with me. Marty Gamlin, my man. Marty, thank you so much. Hey, my pleasure, Steve. I'll see you very soon. I love you, pal. appreciate it. I love you. God bless. You too. Bye-bye. I'm Steve Azar. In a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them, where you can take your sweet time. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.